Chapter Twelve of Tilda Jane's Orphans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Tilda Jane's Orphans by Marshall Saunders. Chapter Twelve, Grandpa's Drive. The old man took hold of the soft, wriggling creature beside him and tried to balance him on his knees. In vain, Puppy doubled his legs under him, opened his mouth, bit at everything within reach, turned and twisted, till Grandpa, in perplexity, called out, He's all gristle. I don't believe there's a bone in his body. Get a table or something to prop him on. Perletta, only too happy to leave her work to fuss with animals, propelled herself leisurely into the front of the house, and brought out a little table from the parlor. Grandpa put the puppy on it, and Perletta held his legs while Tilda Jane, with scissors and paper, cut out a pattern of a little coat. "'Make it come well over his chest,' said Grandpa. "'Remember his weak throat.' "'He won't stand up, sir,' said Tilda Jane anxiously. "'He's made up his mind to lie down.' i never seed a pup so sot in his ways remarked perletta solemnly in a few minutes they were all exhausted the two girls had fallen into helpless laughter at the pup's antics grandpa only was grim and determined and spurred on by him tilda jane at last controlled herself sufficiently to cut out something that had the semblance of a coat now lay it on the cloth exclaimed grandpa releasing the little creature who spun round and round the kitchen like a top cut it out large and generous it's too black he said when tilda jane at last held up the tiny garment looks as if he was in mourning put on something bright some red braid would be real cute said tilda jane but we haven't any in the house go downtown said grandpa buy plenty don't cut him short tilda jane glanced at the clock then at the big kitchen table littered with preparations for more cooking saturday morning is a busy time she said grandpa began to dance one of his crutches up and down on the floor a sign of great mental disturbance do you want that pup to die i tell you he can't go to drive with his chest uncovered tilda jane glanced at him anxiously then she said grandpa dear don't you worry i'll start right off and after a few hurried directions to perletta she scurried down the street in the direction of the shops by dinner-time the coat was stitched trimmed and buttoned on the pup and as hank came in the front door the final trying on was in process he burst into a great guffaw of laughter hey doggy you look like a king the pup always excited by hank's good-natured jovial voice made a bound broke from his attendants and dashed round and round the kitchen under the stove the table and chairs his eyes wild and wicked his wide mouth open his pink tongue hanging hank gave a loud whoop every time he passed him hi little demon go it hurrah for the black and red catch him catch him called grandpa in distress he'll roast alive in that thick coat in this hot kitchen he'll have a coughing spell that's so shouted hank agreeably don't fret we'll corner him tilda jane look out for that hurdle there 
perletta stand by the stone wall and he indicated the old-fashioned fireplace where the stove sat after many false dives and swoopings after the nimble little fellow and after perletta had broken two plates and a pitcher in her wild plunges puppy was secured his coat unbuttoned and he laid panting and exhausted across grandpa's knees some cold water for him commanded the old man he's hot he's on fire hold on a bit father said hank consolingly he'll cool down play has to go on in the world and pups and children and other young creatures are made to carry on that very thing you keep your eye off him replied grandpa decidedly you put the mischief in him your slave sir said hank obediently and during dinner-time he did not once glance at the still mischievous animal who in vain tried to attract his attention now sir said hank when the dinner was over all on board for the sleigh-ride yes yes said grandpa getting up from his chair tilda jane come put on my snow-boots yes grandpa i'm just warming them under the stove said the little girl and here's your big overcoat i brought it in from the front hall to take the chill off twenty minutes later the beautiful milkweed stood by the back door thoughtfully pawing the snow with one slender hoof while tilda jane and perletta assisted grandpa into the sleigh tuck the hot water can under his feet perletta said tilda jane and give me that hot water bag please what's that what's that asked grandpa suspiciously as the little girl thrust something soft on his knees i ain't a woman i shan't carry a muff i've seen a picture of the emperor of germany carrying a muff when he was going hunting said hank and i guess tilda jane thinks you're getting so tony now with a horse and a dog and new clothes that you'll want to shine up to his germanship it isn't a muff grandpa said tilda jane soothingly it's a hot water bag wrapped in a shawl what does the girl take me for asked grandpa in pretentious discontent i ain't as old and feeble as she thinks no grandpa but we don't want you to get so besides the hot bag will be just the thing for the pup see how he curls up on it you may leave it then said the old man i'm much obliged get out yourself tilda have a walk yes sir yes sir and she waved her hand as hank clucked to milkweed and they went gaily out of the yard and down the street with sleigh bells dancing and ringing perletta she said as they turned to enter the house it's a lovely day would you like to go out i ain't got no one to go with said perletta in a glum voice you may go with me said tilda jane kindly i have some shopping to do downtown will you take me to the moving pictures asked the disagreeable girl as if she were conferring a favor on tilda jane by accepting her offer yes if i have time we must clear up here first grandpa and hank were driving down french row i guess we'll go out in the country said hank the snow is just about right depth go downtown said grandpa i want you to buy something for me downtown said hank disconsolately then he added cheerfully all right sir what do you want a hall stove a hall stove repeated hank and he stared at his father and then dropped his eyes to the wide-awake pup 
who with just his young head peering from the fur was greedily drinking in the scenery on this his first drive i bet it's for that pup he said under his breath that moneyed pup his father heard him partly for the pup hank he said mildly partly for the little girl the house is cold and i've got a little extra money i thought i'd spend it we've always got on without one said hank pears to me were snug enough a fire in the kitchen all day one in the dining-room evenings grandpa did not bear opposition well you're a great fat lout he said with some heat i'm old and my blood is thin tilda jane ain't strong and the pup is sappy and has a rattlin in his throat laughed hank go ahead dad just as you say i'll buy two hall stoves if you like one for upstairs one for down and as he spoke he turned milkweed's head toward the center of the town i guess you and sissy and the pup are worth a stove i know i don't feel the cold but i ain't selfish after they had dashed through one snowy street after another and had brought up with a flourish in front of Siskasset's leading stove store, Hank turned to his father. Now, sir, what kind of a heating machine do you want? Give me the lines, said Grandpa, bringing his hands quite warm, thanks to Tilda Jane's hot water bag from beneath the fur rug. Go into the store, buy a stove, I don't care what kind. Have it put up, I'll pay for it. You've struck a gold mine, sure, said Hank with a chuckle however i'll make him give me a good discount off for cash he added as his father handed him a roll of bills and i'll not bother you about choosing it don't chafe if i stay a spell milkweed will stand like a lady unless someone throws a bomb at her that ain't likely to happen here said grandpa still it might i'll keep a grip of the lines a good driver never lets them go no matter if his animal is perfection hank chuckled again and pushing his cap a little on one side went into the store feeling quite important as he always did now in his new role of a family man better than being a lonely old coot a-chasin himself about the country he said under his breath while grandpa sat in the sleigh trying to straighten his old back and hold his head up being quite well aware of the fine appearance he presented in his good coat his warm fur cap to say nothing of the handsome sleigh and the graceful milkweed his eyes lighted on someone driving swiftly down the street siskasset was fortunate in having a very wide main street on each side were stores that were unusually fine for a small town where persons were hurriedly passing in and out intent on their saturday shopping the middle of the street was as lively as the sidewalks but among all the driving sleighs and delivery sleighs and big teams from the country grandpa's eye rested on the smart dark blue cutter where a man sat alone handling his reins in a masterly fashion as if hypnotized by the old man's admiring eye the occupant of the cutter pulled up when he got near him and guided his horse close beside milkweed and then a trifle past her so that he could talk comfortably with grandpa good day sir said the old man stiffly but agreeably i am glad to see you out said mr waysmith 
and he gave one comprehensive glance over the horse the sleigh and the neatly dressed old man there's one thing sir you don't see said grandpa proudly and he lifted the fur cover on his knee mr waysmith's face lighted up strangely and grandpa lifted out the warm and cosy puppy he's got to sleep sir gets tired easy youth and old age are alike in that respect let me see him please said the merchant and reaching over he transferred the puppy to his own knees the little dog still in the first blush of youth and having puppy confidence in all the world woke up at this treatment and finding himself in the hands of a stranger fell into an ecstasy and began to lick his gloves and any part of his face that his pink tongue could reach you'll get over that when you're older said mr waysmith under his breath you will be like your father muffles and only recognize your friends keep still wriggler he said aloud i want to look at you and slipping off the new coat he carefully examined him head chest back and legs he's a beauty he said in a low utterly contented voice points almost perfect how is his health good except his throat said grandpa that's weak better put on his coat sir see he's beginning to cough that weakness will likely pass away said mr waysmith in a tone of deep satisfaction the first few weeks are the ticklish ones with this breed i hope he's not a great trouble to you well said grandpa after a slight hesitation he's a perfect gentleman if you let him have his own way not very different in that respect from human beings said mr waysmith and though he addressed grandpa his eyes remained fixed on the small animal his passion for dogs was so profound that he could not conceal his intense interest in them and in this little fellow in particular and grandpa shrewd enough to perceive this and being also extremely anxious to let mr waysmith know that he was trying to make some return for his favors to him said he's a great pet sir we've no child in our home he most fills the place does he said mr waysmith in tones of great gratification i hope the little girl does not find him too much care no sir she sets great store by him and never gets out of patience he destroys things i suppose well sir i may say he does by times no need to show up all that goes on in your house remarked grandpa stoutly and he tried to forget the chewed-off corner of the red plush chair and a ripped-up silk umbrella that he had noticed just before he left home what do you want us to call him sir he went on he's quite a dog ought to have a name i have not yet settled on a name for him said mr waysmith i will let you know later hank's been reading an irish story to me evenings said grandpa and in my mind i call this fellow after the hero handy andy the wild irishman later in life lord scatterbrain mr waysmith smiled so hank reads samuel lover's stories does he rory o'more is another i dare say it would be a good plan to start this family of dogs with irish names we will call this little chap handy andy then andy for short very good sir and grandpa tucked the shivering pup nearer the hot water bag you got my check dilson 
asked mr waysmith yes sir it's far too much the pup don't cost near that much don't send any more till i ask for it mr waysmith smiled peculiarly and touched his horse lightly with the whip good-bye dilson he don't like to be dictated to muttered grandpa best to let him alone what he sends will in time make up a snug sum for the little girl if it hadn't been for her i'd not be sitting here for hank would not have come home she's done it all but we mustn't spoil her where's that boy of mine and he glanced through the big glass windows where stoves of all sizes exhibited themselves in stolid rows to the gaze of the passers-by hank who had struck a good bargain some time ago had been dodging about behind the stoves waiting for mr waysmith to go away all very well for him and father to eat off the same plate he said if i stick my spoon in i'll get a rap over the knuckles father's an old man and i'm young and mr waysmith's understrapper hands off no familiarity etc etc well dad he went on drawing on his thick fur gloves as he sauntered out to the sleigh i guess you had a caller his father handed him the reins without a word did he take much stock in the pup asked hank mischievously the moneyed pup he added under his breath still his father did not speak and he continued mr waysmith don't make much of dogs by all outward signs that bulldog of his follows him about with a tired don't care waddle if mr waysmith stops short dog goes and lies down way off and stares in the other direction as if he don't belong to him but he knows what goes on better than if he was by his side and i'm kind of suspicious of that friendship mr waysmith is a great man to pretend he's awful hard and flinty and he ain't i believe he likes dogs grandpa apparently had no opinion on the subject for he resolutely kept his mouth shut and hank threw a waggish wink in the direction of the pup who at this instant stuck his moist young nose from under the rug then seeing that no information was to be extracted from his father he turned his attention to milkweed and politely requested her to go up kennebago street instead of going home as she wished to do i wish i loved business the way you love your stable hank said to her and milkweed being a horse of a sociable and reasonable disposition turned her head as if she really understood what he said why shouldn't a fellow talk to his horse her master often said there's more pleasure and profit in conversing with them than with some human beings and it's a lot safer who ever heard of a horse giving away a secret grandpa remained sunk in his reverie so hank who was at almost all times a fluent and continuous talker kept on favoring milkweed with sundry observations on the persons and turnouts they met they were now getting toward the residence part of ciscasset in common with many other places the stores were gradually advancing eating up fine houses and gardens and forcing the lovers of quiet and extensive grounds to move further and further from the centre of commerce just where houses began to alternate with stores hank exclaimed suddenly why there's tilda jane and perletta and poacher and gippy all sky-gazing except gippy grandpa stared and saw that the other members of his family were indeed apparently gazing up into the sky 
hank pulled milkweed up near the sidewalk well sissy do you see an airship or has perletta's last bit of common sense gone sailing into the blue tilda jane turned round with a start oh hank is it you we're listening to the pigeons there's a young one there being fed see him follow his parents and shake his wings hank drew his cap over his eyes and looked at the top of the tall house near them sure enough he said there is a young one there spring is coming but it's powerful early for street pigeons to be making nests they must be well fed what is it asked grandpa i'm a bit snow-blind from the glare it's three sooty-looking pigeons said hank two old one young and the young one is following the old one round that flat roof flapping his big wings and yelling for his supper he's most the size of his parents but he can't feed himself listen to his voice how callow it is there he's getting something no he isn't he's in such a hurry that he stepped over the edge of the roof now he's flying across the street to the opposite houses you can see him now yes grandpa could and did see him he's like a cow he said not quite so black dad bless me he's off that roof now i vow this is his first flight he goes in a wobbly fashion so so steady and he spoke soothingly to milkweed who to her surprise suddenly found a black bird dashing by her head he's astonished himself as well as you milkweed said hank as the dark pigeon went precipitately fluttering over the snowy road and on to the sidewalk pussy willows and grimalkins tilda jane has turned a cat in the pan hank had burst into a sonorous peal of laughter and grandpa who saw nothing amusing fell into a nervous fit of irritability hush up he exclaimed you sound like a foghorn what's the matter anyway you're so big i can't see a past you sir said hank clapping one broad hand over his mouth to check his laughter i just saw two cats and one was sissy grandpa turned his head away sulkily truly sir said hank tilda did make a leap in the air you know though usually she ain't a rusher she can be quick as a flash when the times call for lightning that black pigeon was kiting over the snow and got under that yard fence a gray cat who was sneaking the deer only knows where sprang on it like a tiger tilda couldn't get over the fence but she gave a leap in the air and hurled her shopping bag in the cat's face pussy ran you may be sure with poacher after her then the dog came back crawled under the fence seized the day's bird in his mouth and carried it to tilda who now has it pressed to the breast of that warm brown coat you gave her sissy come here he said raising his voice the little girl turned and holding the pigeon firmly walked toward the sleigh let's see your windfall said hank i guess it's all right only frightened but it can't fly straight shouldn't have left the roof or all who flutter their wings and fly a hawk is hovering in the sky only in this case it was a cat what shall i do with it asked tilda jane anxiously could we get it to the top of that high building and if we did would it stay there law no said hank it would likely blunder down again and pussy would get it let me feel it it's a pretty fat squab or squeaker now that it's left the nest turn your head and i'll wring its neck and take it home twill make a tasty pie for father's sunday dinner tilda jane seized the pigeon 
and shrank away from him in dismay what you want to keep it said hank well i'll not snatch it anything to oblige a good little girl like you cuddle it right up to you and when i get home i'll show you how to feed it but he added teasingly don't let perletta get it in her clutches she looks as if she would like to eat something alive and with a final chuckle he drove swiftly up the street what's the matter with perletta asked grandpa curiously when i spoke of killing the pigeon her eyes flashed and she doubled up her big fists as if she would smite me to the earth the snowy earth didn't you hear her muttering to herself she's half simpleton but she's good to animals tilda jane was trotting rapidly along the street in the opposite direction holding the trembling bird inside her warm coat while she muttered tenderly poor little housetop you shan't be eaten i will be a mother to you End of chapter 12 Recording by John Brandon